Can somebody praise the Lord with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Y'all ready for God's word tonight, real life? Tonight I have a privilege and an honor. Like, I, I'm going to try my best to compose myself because tonight I get to introduce one of the most incredible people on the face of this planet. Tonight, I want you to give your undivided attention and respect to a woman of God, a woman of virtue. Tonight's ladies' night, real life. Come on, y'all. For those of us in the room, ladies, if, if you did not have a Valentine yesterday, I want to say Jesus loves you. We love you. You don't need no scrub. It's, it doesn't matter. Jesus is your boyfriend. He's your everything. And he, you don't need to waste your time on boys anyways. You need a man of God to step into your life. Amen? And, and gentlemen, you don't need to chase nothing that, that ain't godly. But, but tonight, I have the privilege and the honor of introducing one of the most incredible women on the face of this planet. Proverbs 31 says that if you live in purity, your husband will praise you in the streets. And I've been married to this woman for almost 14 years now. We've been in relationship for over 16 years, longer than some of y'all have been alive. And I am here tonight to tell you that this woman has such wisdom. She's got such integrity. She's got such passion for God. And there's not a single person on the face of this planet who has shown me the love of Jesus more than her. Because she has been so true, so steadfast, so loving, so forgiving. I am a man of many faults and failures, and she shows me the love of Jesus every day of my life. And I am fortunate to be married to her. Tonight, I want to introduce tonight's preacher of God's word. Can y'all give it up for my wife, Jubilee Ann Criswell? Jonathan, that was very sweet of you. Thank you. Um, I have, I love when I get to talk to you all, but I'm, he's, you know, it's kind of intimidating, so I don't always like offer, but I absolutely love you all, and there is just something that God just has been teaching me, and it's been so strong. It's been so, such an incredible journey with him that I, I just, I have to share it with you all. Do you all mind? Okay. All right, so this is, this is uh, Fake Love, Sermon Series 2, and I call this Love in Pieces. So let me just pray. Father God, we give you all the glory, all the honor. Lord, I ask, God, that any of my words that are from me would fall. God, in anything that you are speaking to each and every one of us, God, would just resonate in our hearts. God, penetrate us from the inside, Lord. That let all of us understand that you are love and what real love is. We thank you for your word that gives us so many promises that's hard to even see in real life. It's hard to believe. But God, we're going to trust in your word tonight. Stir up our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Aw. Okay, so um, here I have two mirrors. That one's kind of hard to see. It says fake love, and then we have real love. So what is the passage in Scripture that we're all familiar with that talks about love? 1 Corinthians 13. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But before I jump in there, let me just kind of give you some context, not of, I know the mirrors are kind of like blasting their faces, um, but let me give you some context, not of just the scripture and, and what it meant back then, but let me just tell you, I'm going to be really honest. There's, I'm holding nothing back. I just want you all to just trust in the word of God so much. Um, this is my love story. I became a Christian in high school. Jonathan and I, our lives were rocked in high school. God, we encountered God, and that's why our, our passion is for you all. Because high school and college, they're such pivotal years of your life, and we just want to be a part of it. Um, I remember my youth pastor. So my, my love story, my version of love, my perspective of love is I was raised... Uh, I have a twin brother, an older brother from a different dad. My mom, we're all together. Um, her first husband, with my older brother's dad, he had an affair. And my mom even tried working it out, but he ran off with that waitress, and he was a graveyard shift police officer. He's married to her 40 years later. But um, he divorced my mom, and my mom was left with my brother. Well, then she, she had just become a Christian. That was and she meets my dad. And my dad was in ministry and just, you know, swept her off her feet. Here he is like a pastor. Um, they get married and like wedding night conceived me and my twin brother. His past is like riddled with drugs that he should have never even been able to have children. And um, a couple years into their, I'm sorry, a couple months into their marriage, they discovered my dad totally had a secret life. He was a heroin addict. And she tried working that out, and um, they ended up divorcing by the time me and my twin brother were three, and he actually died from drugs right before my sixth birthday. And so this is my, my version of love. We look to, as a female, I want to speak from the female perspective. Um, I know Jonathan, sometimes he comes down on uh, scrubs, which are not really guys in this room, right? No, no, right. Not at all. So, so if you don't mind, throughout this sermon, I actually, I want to speak to, to the guys in this room. Jonathan typically speaks to the girls. I think it's better received that way when he's uplifting the girls. And so I want to speak to the guys. So I'm going to breathe some life into you guys, okay? So um, anyway, my version of guys that, you know, he, he dies from drugs. Um, then my mom meets my stepdad, and he ends up being incredibly abusive, threatened to kill all of us in the house. He had a gun. He was really going to do it. We spent years in the abuse going from battered women's shelter to battered women's shelter. And, you know, I would see the love in his eyes as a little girl, and I believed it. And then I just saw such hate, such um, abuse. So here I am. They end up divorcing a couple years. Obviously, we, we fled. He, he, we moved across the nation so he just couldn't find us starting all over again. We had left my dad, started all over. He was at work one day. We left, just went from one part of the nation to the other. Then we meet my stepdad and move from one nation to the other to get away. And the whole time I did have my mom's love, and that was steady. That was steadfast, but I was so rebellious. I was so just, I had so much justice to hate and to rebel that I took advantage of that. 
And um, I'm grateful for my mom's steadfast love. But, you know, in high school, I was raised by a single mom, so I like Jonathan. And I had become a Christian, so I was learning from my youth pastor and his wife and just some of the friends around me and some of their families. Some of y'all have that. You have, like, your surrogate families that are from your friends that you can turn to. So that's, that's my love story up to your age, trying to figure out, like, what love is. And from there, you know, me and Jonathan got very serious. We obviously got married. And the first few years of marriage, I didn't know. I'd never seen a healthy marriage depicted in front of me. So all I had was the Holy Spirit, which is enough. But I'll tell you, we both made mistakes. We both were fighting and selfish. And even Jonathan, whenever we do premarital counseling, we always ask the couple the first session, what's the point of marriage? Why do you want to get married? You know, what do you, what do you think the point is? And we try to get across that it's actually about being very selfless, like letting the selfishness out of you burn. So just to give some context, that's, that's my love story. And I have children now. I have an awesome marriage. But I will tell you, think for a moment right now, everyone, who's the person that you love the most out of this entire world? Who is it? Don't say it. Don't say it. Just think of it, who that person is. And you'll come back to that person throughout this message. If some of you are having a hard time, I'm sorry. There, there is love coming. There is a true, there is love from a father. If some of you are thinking about God, that's cool. If some of you thought about someone else, that's, you know, there's, there's two versions of love. That's what we're talking about tonight. So we're going to go ahead and let the girls write out. As I read 1 Corinthians 13, they're going to write what real love is and what fake love is. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Now we're on the, what it doesn't do. It is not boastful. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Think about that for a moment. But it rejoices in truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and finally, love never fails. I find it interesting because this passage seems to tell me a lot of what love isn't. Even in scripture, it does this. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that God's actually spending more time telling us what love is not than what it actually is? Do you think that it could be because we actually see more in this world of fake love and what it's not? And we're actually able to relate to more to what it's not than what it actually is. I think about um, love in pieces. That's fake love. This is, I like to call it Hollywood love, if you don't mind. Let's be honest. If we look at the tabloids, they might act it out real well, but wouldn't you say the majority, right? Like being publicized, they are not doing too hot with long-lasting marriages. There's, a, there's, there's fake love, more in our pop culture than ever before. But be, today is a day to be hopeful that there actually is a true version of love. Love is real. So, love, 1 Corinthians 13 kind of goes on, but it seems to be pointing to that it's actually broken. Love is actually fractured, the fake love. Fake love that we see more often is envious, 
It's boastful. How many of you guys have seen prideful people? How many of you, have any of you seen people that are self-seeking? What it's not? I don't know if it looks quite like that. I think it looks more like this. That was hard to hold. Thank you, baby. <laughs> okay. I, I want to give you this biblical principle. I think I have money. Whew, okay, good, I do. Let's see how much I have. I have $2. This is, this is one of the points. Um, the first point I wanted to talk about is that fake love is broken. Let me just let it kind of fall. Oh, wow. There we go. Fake love is broken. It's fractured. If you look at the definition, like to be fractured, broken, means it's not even in working order. So do we want half of love? Is, that, is half of love really just liking? Think about it for your own life. Let me tell you that half or a piece of love is not just a portion of it. It's actually the opposite of love. And I want to I use an analogy. Okay, let's say this is like $200,000 rather than just two. When you think of someone giving you half of $200,000, right, what do you think of? $100,000, right? But this is what I want to get to. Biblically, half of love, a piece of love, fractured love, isn't just me giving Luke. Luke, can you come up here for a minute? It's not me giving him half. It's actually me. There you go. You can sit down. Y'all are really disturbed by that. <laughs> okay. So, do you get my point? How valuable is that? That's what... That's what a piece of love or broken love, fake love, is the opposite of love. It holds not half the value. It holds no value at all. If someone is giving you fake love, please, it's not even real. It, it has, it's, it's not even working order. Let me tell you a story in the Bible. Let me finish up 1 Corinthians 13. It goes on. And when you read it all together, it's kind of like love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't, you know, it's not this, not this, not this, not this. But it's always protects, always. And then it says love never fails. And it goes on in verse 10. And it says, but when completeness comes, when the wholeness of love, when real love that is whole comes, the parts of it, the pieces, will disappear. It's not half of a $2.00. It's you completely get rid of the fake love. When real love is something that we're looking to, fake love just isn't even, even, and even a part of the equation. So now then it references, when I was a child, I thought, talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or just a mature person, meaning perf mature, I put away childish things behind me. And it even gives us the analogy of a mirror here. I'm going to talk about the child in a minute. Like, what, what is, why throw in a kid? We'll, we'll talk about that. But I want to get to here. This is where the mirrors come from. It says, for now I see a poor reflection, like in a mirror. 
He even says it in 1 Corinthians 13. You all look in a mirror every day. How many of you do not look in a mirror in the morning? Oh, okay, maybe there's like half hands. I'm, maybe I'm not going to admit it. But it would typically, I mean, even if you're driving to school, you might just take a quick glance in that rearview mirror and make sure everything's looking okay. All right, we can relate to this. But it goes on to say, then we shall see face to face. Now I know pieces of love, parts. But one day I'm going to fully know as I'm fully known. What's that saying is like God is going to show me what real love is by the way he loves us. By the way he loves me, and I see it in that mirror, I see his patience. I see how I'm supposed to look for someone or, or be that person that's loving and kind. So the child thing. Um, if, do any of you have little siblings? You might be able to know this, okay? Or if, if you're around little kids, maybe you've got a nephew or a niece. When kids are real little, um, they can't see very well. And I think that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is trying to connect with. There's, there's two concepts. One is just physically. They actually physically can't see. They actually see only a certain distance. You know, as they grow, their vision grows. But you know that's so with our brains as well? Your brains don't, aren't fully developed until you're in, probably in your mid-20s. And I think what they're trying to get at here, and, and it's also and more abstract than that. I think about kids like our kids. We love our kids, so we set real strict rules, you know, like, because we don't want them to run across the street, right, and get hit by a car. So they don't understand. They're a kid. They don't understand why Sophia wanted to go across the street to her neighbor, our neighbors today so bad when we got home. And I was saying, but mommy's finishing up something here in the kitchen. I can't go out with you. And she was so mad that I was stopping her from going outside. Well, we can live on a pretty busy road. But kids don't get that. But you all, you're at the age where you're becoming young adults. You're not kids anymore. This passage is speaking to you. It's speaking to your age group. You all are becoming mature. Some of you all are like, I am mature. Don't you say I'm becoming. I know. I'm mature right now. Love is like a poor reflection. So the first point being fake love is just, it's broken. It's like ripping the $2 in half. That's the value that it has. Okay? So now let's get to our second point. Real love it exists. Be encouraged tonight. It exists. Real love is out there. In fact, I'm going to give you a scripture in, re- in the Bible that kind of, I'll, I'll paraphrase the story for time's sake, but I want you to, it's going to be like a really awkward story at first, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to sink in. It's going to make sense. I feel really good about this one. So the Holy Spirit gave it. I know he's, it's going to make sense. So here we go. In 2 Kings 3, 16 through, it goes on to like 28, I want to say. Um, There's a story of two, um, it says prostitutes, but prostitute just means single women who aren't living with a man in the Old Testament. And so let me just give some preference before I tell you the story. These two um, single women come to the king and they have a problem, okay? The king is Solomon. Before we get to this passage, something really powerful happens to Solomon. Have any of you ever heard of King Solomon in the Bible? We know he's like super wise, right? Well, right before 1 Kings 3 is the story that we find out that God is so pleased with Solomon. He, I mean, he just, he has such a heart for the Lord. And God says, I'll give you anything. How many of you would like God to say, I'll give you anything? Wouldn't that be cool to lay down tonight and God speak to your heart and say, I'll give you anything? Do you know he actually is? 
he actually is telling you that because this word is for you as well. But he says, I'll give you anything. He knows Solomon's heart is right. And what does Solomon ask for? He asks for wisdom. Some translations say a discerning heart. He wants to be able to lead God's people. So the, the one thing he asks for, it's to help other people. Would you all be asking for that? And God responds and says, you know what? I would, I, because you didn't ask for wealth, because you didn't ask for fame and fortune, I'm going to actually give you your, the wisdom and I'm going to give you everything else because I know you can handle it. Did you know God has things for you that he's just waiting for you to be able to handle it before he can hand it off to you? And in the story, now Solomon, for right before this passage, he's given wisdom. And the first dilemma he comes to is two single women, and they come to him and say, one of the, they call it the first woman. The first woman comes and says, hey, I, we're living alone, and I have a baby. I had a baby. Three days later, she had a baby. So nobody else is in the house but us and our babies. And I went to sleep one night. And she went to sleep, and she rolled over and laid on her baby and killed the baby. And then, when, by the time I woke up, she stole my baby. She put the dead baby on me, and then she took my baby. Because when I woke up in the morning, I could tell that's not my baby. I know my baby. This is a mother. Then the other lady saying, um, that's not true. This living baby's my baby. Her baby's dead. They're, she's just trying to take my baby. And so it's like Murray, right? They're just in this huge fight, like trying to figure out. So what does King Solomon do now that he's been given discernment? He, right away, he says, all right, um, go get my sword. Place the baby here. I'm going to cut him in half. I'll give half to you, and I'll give half to you, just like the dollar. And it says the woman, the first woman, with her heart was so compelled for her son to live that she said, no, 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 no. Just give her my son. Just, just give, I'd rather him live than die. And the other woman says, yeah, that's fine. Split it up. That's, let's be equal here. And King Solomon said, the first woman is the mother because she wouldn't have wanted her baby in pieces. That's love. Real love exists. And in this story, what, what God is trying to stress to all of us is it's got to be your whole heart. It can't just be pieces. Like the song we sing, God doesn't give his love in pieces. And yet neither should we. And I know we're learning. I know that we make a lot of mistakes. I made a lot. And I'm willing to admit them before you all. If that's a way for you all to trust me. In what I'm saying, there, yes, fake love is broken, but real love exists. And you want to know the key to gaining real love? To not being home at night so torn up inside because so-and-so did this to you, whether it's your parents, whether it's someone that you have a relationship with, whether it's a best friend, whatever. We can point fingers and just know there's three more pointing right back at you. Okay? We can't change people's fake love, but we can change our love towards them. People go to the grave in offense. Do they not? Do you know some bitter old women in your life or some men that they are like, they, there's, <laughs> there, and there ain't no way we could try to convince them of how ugly they are on the inside. 
how riddled with bitterness and offense. It's just eaten away. Did you know offense is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die? There is, I know, in the Bible, God knows that so many of us see fake love all day, every day, every class period, walking down the hall, seeing it happen amongst other people, it happening to you. God's aware of that. But this is the world he's created for us. And you have the potential to hold on to real life, no matter what anyone does to you. Guess what? If you can learn, I'm going to say this over and over for the next few minutes until we close. If you can hold on to God and, his, and be faithful to him now, then you can do that and be faithful in your marriage. Some of you all think you're going to lay your head down one night. You're just going to live your life. Okay, you're just going to live your life right now. Do whatever you want. Okay. And you're not even probably, most of you probably don't think a whole lot about marriage right now. Some of you would be like, mm, I disagree with you. I do think about marriage. And maybe that's some upperclassmen in here. I'm not, we're not pointing fingers. But some of y'all think you're going to lay your head down on your wedding night, whenever that, the end of that night comes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> awkward! <laughs> okay? And, and you're going to wake up and you're just going to be bestowed upon the faithfulness of a godly wife. You just think you're just going to wake up like that. Let me tell you, if you're unfaithful with the love that God has available to you now, I'm just saying, statistics are showing. Some of y'all families, okay? There's married people. There's, there's older people in here even who've been through divorce. This is not a shame and guilt ride that we're on right now. Don't, I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ from trying to bring any of that as a distraction. Right now, we're just talking about the truth of God. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what you've, been, you've done, that's in the past. We are at this moment right now having this conversation. Everything behind you can be instantly deleted. It's, it's forward that we're talking about, okay? But it takes... Proverbs 31, I think 12. You know how it talks, Jonathan referred to the, the virtuous wife. He says she's clothed in strength and dignity. Something really cool, I'll just say it here and we'll kind of wrap up. It says that she brings no harm to him, her husband, but good. Listen to this last part. All the days of her life. Did you catch that? Not all the days of her marriage. Not all the days, young men, of your marriage. It's all the days of your life. That means right now. That means taking into consideration the love, the ultimate love we're given in a covenant relationship. How many of you all would say, like, you would like to be married? Let's see where we're at. Okay, it's fine. I mean, it's fine if you don't. There's no judgment. Just saying, whatever. I'm just curious. Um, but here's the point. That self-sacrificing love, the way it comes, and point number two, um, God can give you the freedom to appropriate lo appropriately love someone, but it has to be beginning with a loving relationship with God first. That's the way it works. When you are engaged in a real, not fake, not just a segment of your life that you're willing to give up, but like a real relationship with God. 
He will show you. I, I promise I'm like a living testimony. If I know there's so many more people that can attest to this, but I'm just telling you from my own personal experience, I'm not just making something up. I'm not just talking Christianese terms. I wasn't even very much of a Christian most of my upbringing. I rebelled big time. In fact, let me tell you this part. Here, we, we're going to we're gonna get to right here right now. Okay, this is the uncomfortable part. Um, when I was a girl in, in youth group, I, like you, I listened to my youth pastor a couple times talk about modesty, talk about, you know, you, don't, you just need to cover up and, you know, you need to just be real virtuous and you need to, and you want to know let the real honest thoughts that I had going on in my head. And this is why I, I'm sensitive and Jonathan's sensitive to how he talks to, endearingly talks to you girls. There's actually a reason behind that. Because I looked at that youth pastor like, you perv. You got a problem? Just don't look. I'm just being honest. I looked, I looked at him, and right, rightfully so, in my lens, every man in my life, hurting me, leaving me, abusing me, I looked like he had the issue. You have no right to talk to me like that. I can, I can it's my body. I'll be real honest. Jonathan's mom, I'm walking around in a bikini, and his mom comes up to me when I'm in high school. And it's like, um, and my mom's there too, okay? And she's like, um, you know, you think that you could kind of just like maybe wear something a little bit more not so revealing? <laughs> mom, you want to say something to that? Like, my mom let me wear, I mean, what I wanted to wear, right? Like, so I'm not going to say I handled that appropriately that first moment, but I so appreciate that now. There are some of your friends that's really hard to say things to, and maybe it's better to just pray about it and let the Holy Spirit, you know, just kind of feel that one out, just saying. Um, but they might not be happy with your conviction. And they might even call you to the floor wanting you to tell your conviction. It's not even like you're trying to put it on them. And they're, they're going to be upset with you. But I can promise you, if it's true, if it's the word of God, it will penetrate their heart. We have had students and even friends from high school, 5, 10. I promise you, last week, a student from our old youth group, what's a code name? You know, Lauren's sister. What's a Molly? Nope, there's a Molly here. Um, Maggie? Sally, okay, okay, wow. All right, we'll, we'll stick with Sally. Um, she Facebooked us and just said, like, like, let me just real quick say that the scenario with her was she was in a relationship with a guy, and she kept wanting me to, like, give her godly advice, and she would open up. And, I mean, when you're going to ask for it, I'm, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says. The devil does the rest. I don't do any of that. God doesn't do that either. And it just got to a point where she just stopped coming. But I mean, when I mean stop coming, like, just stop coming. Stop coming to, you know, youth group, whatever, just like, whatever. And guess what? Years later, she got married to that guy. So it's like super cool. And now, like, now she's writing me a message last week saying, you know, I've just been thinking about you and Pastor Jonathan, how much seed you poured into my life. Thank you so much for the things that you said. And it was like, 
No way. God, you're awesome, because, wow, I was never expecting that one to come. But that, that's how it works. So since Jonathan talked to, um, we're going to get to this last point that's kind of uncomfortable, but since Jonathan talked uh, last week, he was kind of hard on just the scrubs that aren't even in this room. But you remember some of the things he was saying? It was like, ouch, PJ, like, do you guys remember that? Do you remember? The guys remember? Where are you girls at? You don't, so you don't remember because it wasn't talking to you, right? So is it okay if I talk to you guys? Can we, t- can we have a talk? Is that cool? Will you guys allow me to speak just about some women in your life? Go for it. I, I, I'll take that. Thank you. Listen, here it is. There are girls that are advertising. They're advertising something. It's either about how much they love Jesus or it's about that they're in a bubble bath at 9.55 p.m. (laughs) Their legs. girl. I'm just saying, I might have a right to say this. I'm now 33 years old. This is 15 years ago. Here's the kicker. Guys, what makes you think that what they're advertising now is going to be different once they're married to you? What makes you think that once you get married to them, they're going to stop advertising? This is why. This is why I say this. Because did you know, I re- this blows my mind. It really, really, really rocked me when I was your age. Because I, I just, I really didn't believe it, but I promise you, it's in the Word of God. You can find it. There's two passages. One is, we're going to talk to single people for a minute, and the other one's actually referring to in marriage. Okay? But it says in 1 Corinthians, just a couple of verses, chapters before, 6, 19 through 20, It said, did you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are not on the shame and guilt train. Because that's how it gets twisted. Romans 1 says that they twist the truth and they exchange it for a lie. I'm not telling you girls in here to go put on some clothes. I'm telling you that deep down inside, you can tap into this intrinsic love, real love. You're so in love with God. You want that love. We all want it. But it's just one thing to actually get a hold of it. And a lot of it is forgiving ourselves. That's what blocks us from really getting the love of God. But when you get to that love, you don't want to tease guys. You don't want to. You don't want your cheeks hanging out. You don't. It's not about like just wear a turtleneck. I get you got to look cute. I get that there's a style. Like, but there, some of y'all girls think that guys are weak because they're more sexual or whatever is going on. They, they have more whatever. They're just, but that's not true because you want to know why? In marriage, it's a good thing. You won't be thinking it's weak anymore. Listen, value 
Leadership realm. I'm sorry, Clayton. He's going to tell his mom on me. Listen, it's a great thing. God has wired us very differently. And you know what I also want to address? It's not just a guy thing. Like, I was a resident director in a girl's dorm for three years, and porn was just as prevalent in the girl's dorm than it was the guy's. So I'm not trying to say that you girls aren't dealing with stuff. This world is so broken. I know I've got to wrap up, but let me just say, this is the last point. We say fake love is broken. Real love exists. And what is love? Love is not what you get. It's what you give. All, thank you, all over social media is sick, fake love. We're just, it's like we're saturated with it that it's hard to even distinguish what is real. Well, let me just put it out for you. The word of God is real. God's love is about giving to someone else. That's how you can tell the difference. The woman who is the real mother, she would rather give away her baby for him to live. You notice when you look at what real love is, all of those attributes are things you do for someone else. Can I be honest? I don't want to like shatter any like concept you might have of love, but did you know love is like really painful? It's, it's not because of what someone else did to you either because that's actually broken love. It's really painful to, like, love someone through it. You love them selflessly. When they're having trouble, you could just write them off. That's what everyone else does. Or you could be patient. Patient is when you're waiting on someone else when you'd rather hurry up. Being kind. Always protecting. Protecting what? Yourself? That's what we do naturally. No, it's actually protecting the other person, even if they're the one hurting you. Now, this is the last point I want to get to in this last point. I really promise we're going to go. We can get that kind of distorted when I say that love is what you give and not what you get. Because we think that we have a right to give ourselves away because it's our own. But in Scripture, we're seeing actually, for example, premarital sex— that sounds so formal, I said it like that. But it, it's actually us giving away what isn't ours yet. That's why it's so complex. That's why when, when you engage in that, it, just, it literally tears your soul apart. That's why. Because when you have that covenant relationship, it is a spiritual, supernatural moment. It's the only covenant outside of God that we can encounter. And yes, it can be broken. Yes, there's divorce. I know you all, it's, it's all in my family too. And so sometimes we just look to this. But in closing, if the band could come up or someone, um, and if the leaders could come up to the front, I want to say this. If you begin to commit to true love now, you turn away from fake love. The past is the past. If you need someone to pray for you to help you get through that, maybe even mostly forgive yourself, okay. But what I'm here to talk to you about is the the huge future ahead of all of you. That what you thought you have lost, okay, if you're willing to be engaged in real love now, it can be restored. 
That should bring hope to so many of us. I was not perfect when it came to love in high school. I know the brokenness of my own soul, but there is real love. It's never too late. God even says he washes us white as snow. I've told so many girls, you wear the whitest dress you can find on your wedding day because the past, it's gone. It's gone. It's all about the heart anyway. If you're ready now to really have real love, it's available. It's real. It exists. If you all would stand. Everyone, if you bow your hearts and your heads, thank you all so much for your undivided attention. We're closing now. Who in here would be honest with your heads bowed? No one looking around. You would raise your hand and confess, I've been looking in the wrong reflection. I've been fake. That's bold people to say that. Or you raise your hand and say, I've been seeking after fake love. There's hands all over this room right now. When you put your hand up, you are welcome to put it down. That is a lot of us in this room right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Something is resonating within you. Some of you are mad because you've been fooled by fake love and it's cost you pieces of yourself. Some of you are mad the fact that real love, real love even exists because it was easier to settle for fake love knowing it didn't really exist. I know that to be true. I wrote those words, I penned those because I know what that feels like. Just convincing yourself that real love isn't real. Guess what, I'm here to tell you it is real. Some of you are sad at others who fake loved you. Tonight you can let that go. Bitterness will poison your soul. Some of you are sad that you've been fake, that you have fake loved someone. God can forgive you for all of that. So in this moment, I pray, God, you would have your way. If true love were easy, God, everyone would do it. It's hard to face this, God, our mistakes. To get, up, to get back up again. But God, let us not stop getting up. God, I know we can love you in practical ways. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would set standards in our lives to protect us because you really do love us. I pray that anyone who would like prayer to come, in Jesus' name, let these next few minutes just be holy. Go ahead and come. Father God, we give you this time.